presenting this month's special series, Focus on Allergy. Allergy season is in full swing. From asthma to food allergies, ReachMD is keeping you up to date with the latest in allergy medicine. You're listening to ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. Welcome to Hot Topics in Allergy, presented by the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. Your host is Dr. Katen Sheff, Medical Director of the Lafayette Allergy and Asthma Clinic in Lafayette, Indiana. Which communities have the highest rates of asthma, and how can physicians address this issue? Joining us to discuss underserved asthma communities is Dr. Michael Foggs, Chief of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology for Advocate Health Centers of Advocate Healthcare in Chicago, Illinois. Welcome, Dr. Foggs. Thank you. Well, what's the nationwide impact of asthma? Well, asthma is a very important condition, and in certain communities, asthma is actually considered to be a public health crisis, in particular the African-American community and the Puerto Rican communities. But to put it in perspective, the World Health Organization estimates that some 300 million people worldwide have asthma. And in America, approximately 24 million Americans have asthma. So those are staggering numbers accountable for some $20 billion in resource utilization for health costs for managing this very important chronic disease. Well, you mentioned some of the populations. Give us more detail about why is it more prevalent in African Americans? And I know you mentioned Puerto Ricans, but is it all Hispanic individuals? Or Give us more details about that. Well, actually, uh, as you know, asthma is an idiopathic condition, or as we know, that means cause unknown. And it has a variety of expressions because of its heterogeneity. And that variable expressivity is thought to be associated with genetic discrepancies as it relates to environmental influences on asthma as the two interact. And since we don't know the cause of asthma, we can simply look at populations and determine the prevalence of asthma within those populations and to look at the morbidity and mortality in subpopulations to determine whether or not we can identify variables that impact the disease in a way that can be modified by interventions with environmental control measures and pharmacotherapeutic interventions. So when we look at the African-American population, African-Americans have a very high prevalence of asthma, but actually Puerto Ricans have the highest prevalence of asthma. One of the reasons that has been postulated that may make Puerto Ricans as a Hispanic Latino population an outlier in comparison to some of their cohorts, such as Cubans or Mexicans or Mexican-Americans, is the gene pool frequency of African genes. And this has been looked at by Dr. Esteban Burchard out at the University of San Francisco. And there are a lot of data which relate to this, but this is circumstantial information. So when we look at the prevalence of asthma and the morbidity and mortality from asthma, clearly African Americans and Puerto Ricans are outliers in both prevalence and in mortality and morbidity from asthma. Well, is the asthma greater in children or in adults in these populations? It's greater in children, in particular in African Americans. Black children are 64% less likely than white children to receive timely follow-up after care in the emergency department. But the reason that's important is because in certain populations, such as Chicago and the Inglewood community and in New York City and the Harlem community, up to 25% of the children have been confirmed to have asthma by physician diagnosis criteria using the National Heart Lung Blood Institute guidelines. This is associated with a greater morbidity and mortality in asthma in the same populations, so that children have three to four times likelihood greater in the African-American community of dying from asthma than in the white community. 
And the reasons for this were multifactorial, but there's statistics that were representative of glaring discrepancies in terms of asthma mortality and morbidity. Tell us a little bit more about how asthma is impacting these communities in which the disease is becoming much more prevalent. Well, it's actually exhausting a lot of resources. I mean, since black children have a fourfold higher emergency department visitation rate than white children, and black children have a 24% lower rate of scheduled outpatient clinic visits than white children, and black children have a sixfold in some communities like in the inner cities of our major urban areas a six-fold greater death rate from asthma than white children. You can see what the impact is, not only from the suffering as it relates to the disease itself, but from resource utilization loss because of caregivers having to stay home to take care of their children. And this is particularly significant during these hard economic times. So that if we look at interventions that have been attempted to try to modify some of these statistics, they've been grossly unsuccessful because despite the fact that we have a 17-year history of national asthma guidelines in America. There has been no significant improvement in asthma, morbidity, or mortality in the African-American and Puerto Rican communities. And this is striking, and that's why asthma is considered to be a public health crisis within these communities. Well, sort out a couple of things. Is the higher mortality due to the higher rate of asthma, or is there intrinsically some higher mortality risk in the African-American and the Puerto Rican populations that you're talking about? Well, interestingly, the higher prevalence of asthma in the African-American and Puerto Rican communities is not the reason for the higher mortality or morbidity. There are other variables, some of which we understand and some of which we do not understand, that are contributory to these outcomes that are unacceptable, quite frankly. Part of the reason is the mindset as it relates to chronic disease, not just asthma, but a variety of chronic diseases such as diabetes, heart disease, hypertension. In many minority communities in the inner city, chronic diseases, asthma being a classic example, are thought to be events and not disease states or dysfunctions of target organ systems. So that I have patients who come to me, some of whom have PhDs, who are African Americans or Hispanics, in particular Puerto Ricans, who tell me my asthma is back, of course ask, where did your asthma go? To highlight for them the fact that the asthma never went anywhere, but the asthma is a chronic inflammatory disease of the lungs associated with the symptoms, which, when re-expressed, bring them back to the realization that there's a problem. Other issues involve accessibility to high-quality health care. We don't have very many allergists taking care of patients who are living in minority areas in the inner city. And to that extent, there is not a good referral pattern which is conducive to early diagnosis and early intervention and aggressive intervention. And certainly, we know that there's a growing need for allergy services with asthma as well as allergies escalating to epidemic proportions worldwide with the United States being no exception. But that's a major problem in inner city areas. There's a major university medical center in the city of Chicago that has no adult allergy services whatsoever. And that is shocking. And this is a very high-profile institution. And so that gives you an example of what we're dealing with. In addition, in terms of patient education, a lot is needed in order to attack these problems from the standpoint of disseminating information and heightening the awareness about asthma so that it's no longer a mystery and people understand that it's a chronic condition that in the overwhelming majority of cases can be controlled. And then we're dealing with environmental factors. Seventy-one percent of African Americans live in counties that violate the United States federal air pollution standard. 
where there's exposure to hydrocarbons from cars and trucks and diesel buses that take children to schools. And in these very poor inner-city communities, there's an increased risk for childhood asthma and poorly controlled asthma in adults as a result of some of these exposures. And a reduction in ozone pollution from improved traffic patterns has actually been demonstrated to significantly reduce asthma attacks in children living in Atlanta, Georgia. So some of these issues reflect the heterogeneity of the disease and how the environment as well as the intrinsic pathology of the disease can determine outcomes. Another point I'd like to mention briefly is that it has been demonstrated in vitro at least that African Americans don't have the same response to critical steroid therapy as Caucasians. And this was demonstrated not only in African Americans with asthma, but also in African Americans without asthma so that there are clearly genetic discrepancies that are contributory to some of these poor outcomes, even though the genetic discrepancies in and of themselves cannot exclusively explain why the morbidity and mortality from asthma is worse. And lastly, I'd like to mention that we know that if you look at the death rate for asthma for African Americans versus Caucasians who had been admitted to the hospital, there is no discrepancy. And that highlights the fact that the disease can, in fact, be managed, but the objective is, of course, to prevent an acute severe asthma exacerbation so that the patients don't require hospitalization, notwithstanding the fact that the majority of deaths from asthma take place outside the hospital. If you're just tuning in, you're listening to Hot Topics in Allergy from ReachMD, the channel for medical professionals. I'm your host, Dr. Keaton Sheth, and joining me to discuss underserved asthma communities is Dr. Michael Foggs, Chief of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology for Advocate Health Centers of Advocate Healthcare in Chicago, Illinois. Now, Dr. Foggs, you were instrumental in the guidelines. I know you were on the committee. Help us with what the new guidelines talk about, perhaps specifically of some of these underserved or high asthma prevalence communities. Well, the guidelines uh, try to point out that we have to be mindful of some of the socioeconomic variables that are associated with asthma with regards to healthcare delivery, and we have to be mindful of people's belief systems, which may be at variance with medical scientific evidence-based facts. And to that extent, I try to develop a cooperation and partnership with patients so that the clinician and the patient are working together to achieve a common goal, and that is control of the disease. As you know, the emphasis on the most recent version of the NHLBI asthma guidelines published in late 2007 focus on the accomplishment of the goals of therapy, which is to establish asthma control, with the realization that asthma severity must be assessed primarily in those individuals who have not yet been placed on long-term anti-inflammatory control therapy. So if early diagnosis can be established and appropriate treatment provided with regular follow-up, then the consensus is that asthma can be managed in any subpopulation. Are people really now more aware of these higher-risk populations that you're describing? I think people are becoming more aware of it. I know that in the lay media, attempts have been made to disseminate this kind of information to the public. But I think one of the angles that must be stressed more vigorously is approaching physicians and other healthcare professionals who care for African Americans and Puerto Ricans so that they're mindful of the fact that African Americans represent 13% of the United States population, but account for 26% of all asthma deaths. 
when they understand numbers like this, then it becomes apparent that special measures have to be implemented in order to try to counter this trend. And this, of course, involves patient education and implementation of self-efficacy, which is stressed very strongly in the asthma guidelines. Resources have to be made available, and one of the things that the guideline states is that insurance companies and federal agencies must change their philosophies and start to pay clinicians for teaching patients how to implement self-efficacy because this requires time, and in our current medical environment, it is something that has to be reimbursed for it to be done. Well, how do you recommend treating asthma specifically in some of these communities? I know you touched on a couple of things, but what other things can our listeners do and physicians do to help asthma in these communities? Well, I think that clinicians need to make sure that they have been fully updated on some of the special needs of the people with asthma in these communities. And what they'll find is that more often than not, a lot of the patients in these communities have other diseases which have to be addressed whether they're comorbidities, which can impact asthma, such as obesity, obstructive sleep apnea, allergic rhinitis, chronic sinusitis, or whether or not there's smoking, which is contributory to exacerbation of asthma, either active smoking or exposure to sidestream environmental tobacco smoke. They must make sure that they make inquiry about all factors and variables that are counterproductive to the management of asthma. They must make sure that they learn how to get patients to buy into the recommendations so that adherence to medical regimen is improved and so that philosophically patients can be gradually pushed to a perspective that's consistent with evidence-based clinical practice for management of asthma. There must be regular follow-up so that every six months, even if a patient with asthma is doing well, there should be a follow-up visit for assessing the asthma and certainly much more frequently in cases where the asthma is not well controlled. Public school systems must be dealt with. In Chicago, we've been very fortunate to have the Chicago Asthma Consortium, which has trained some 500 nurses over the years within the Chicago public school system on the management of asthma and have been very instrumental in having asthma incorporated into the health education curriculum for the Chicago public school system. I'd like to thank my guest from Advocate Healthcare, Dr. Michael Foggs. Dr. Foggs, thank you for being our guest this week on Hot Topics in Allergy. Thank you very much. You've been listening to Hot Topics in Allergy. This show has been presented by the American College of Allergy, Asthma, and Immunology. For more information on the ACAAI, please visit acaai.org. For more information about this or any other show, please visit ReachMD.com, which now features on-demand podcasts. Thank you for listening. You've been listening to this month's special series, Focus on Allergy. For a program guide and a complete list of shows, please visit us at ReachMD.com.